I don't know if you've ever had moments in your life um, where maybe you had like a cut and uh, maybe it was in your mouth or something and you, you ate like a salty food and that salt got in that cut and man, it just began to like burn, right? You ever had that? Or maybe, um, I, I don't know if this happens as much anymore, but um, I, I remember like sometimes when you get cuts and, and your parents would put salt in there. Remember anybody remember that ever happened? Like they would put salt on, on like cuts and try to help heal areas or bee stings, different things, right? Sometimes you experience that salt like in the wound, it would just hurt, right? And there, there's maybe been moments in your life where you've had just salt in wounds and just kind of experiencing that hurt as it's trying to heal, right? I mean, the salt comes to heal, but man, it reveals there's a cut there. And, and maybe like that in life, you just had moments, today's text is going to call us to be the salt of the earth. You just had moments where you try to speak maybe a little bit of truth into someone's life or you were living differently than others in your family or friends and they began just to bring some noise in your life. And so instead of being, continuing to be salt, man, you just kind of start to go along with them. Or maybe you've had moments like uh, we often do, um, sometimes with our kiddos, it's time to get up in the morning. And so, man, it's been dark and you come in there and they're not getting up after like the 15th try, right? And so what do you do? Flip those lights on, right? And they're like, ah, right? They can't see. And so the first thing they usually start screaming out is turn off the light, right? Turn off the light. Guess what, man? We are called today. You're seeing our text that we are called to be the light of the world and said so we are the light of the world. But you've probably had moments where you've had interactions with people and being the light of the world hasn't gone well for you. And you've started just maybe just to start going along with what they think. Or maybe you've just figured out, man, you know what, that's the way it's going to be. Then I'll just take my little light and I'll go home. And I'll step away from that. I won't be involved in politics anymore. If that's how politics look, I just won't vote, right? I just, I can't, I can't find anybody that I even like or anybody even closely to agree with. So I, I just won't be involved in that area, right? I'm done with, with public education or, or in, in helping improve something in society. And so you see that and you're just like, man, I, you know what? I, I don't even want to be involved in that anymore. And so you start just trying to find yourself kind of like distancing yourself. And so I, I just want to encourage you today as we see things in our world, we are encouraged to be salt and light. We are encouraged, right, to go and to be invested in those things. But let's be honest, our world's broken, isn't it? Our world's sick. And often, I, I'll just be honest, my own my own temptation is this. I just don't want to be involved in it, right? Like, I, like I, I'll just be transparent as I see politics and all that. Sometimes I'm just like, man, I don't want any part of that. Like, I struggle, like, think, how in the world am I even, who am I going to even vote for? Well, Lord, like, we're just struggling. We see all these people fighting and arguing and all these issues. And so, listen today, I want to encourage you. Instead of just thinking, listen, maybe there's, maybe you think there's only one or two options. One is that you either got to just be a part of the world, just go along with it. Man, it's not going to change. And so, if you can't beat them, might as well what? Join them, right? You're just kind of there. You're just thinking, you know what? If I can't beat them, might as well join them. Others of you, man, you just come to the point like you're just sick of it. You're disgusted by it all. And so you're just going to check out and distance yourself from it. But I think today's text here in Matthew 5, 13 to 16, says that neither of those two options are available to us. As Christians, we have, as Paul says, we've died to sin. How can we live it any longer? And then as believers, we are called to go and make disciples. We can't leave the world. And you're going to see it today. And so I think this, this idea I want to set before you and me, this is a challenging text. It's to be in the world, but not of the world. That is so hard, right? And we all maybe, and listen, to some extent we see it differently. And you, you may see it one way, and I'm, I might see it this way. 
But this is a challenging text to be in the world, but not of the world. As believers, we can't withdraw. As believers, we can't join with the world and do the exact same things they're doing. So how might we live? And Jesus says these statements. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So how do we deal with that? So today, let's look forward. Looking to God's word here in Matthew 5, 13 to 16. Look what he says here beginning first. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. So listen, what's it look like to be salt of the earth? Look what he says here. Verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Well, what was salt used for, right? So again, this, this statement of being salt of the earth. And so what's Jesus talking about with salt? We've got to understand salt was mainly used per, for preservation, right? There's no refrigerators in Jesus' day and time, right? There's no deep freezes, right? So salt is the main thing that keeps things from decaying, right? So you've got to kind of understand their, their, their culture in which they're living. And so Jesus is saying, listen, as Christians, as my followers, you are to be a part of the culture and to live in such a way that you help prevent decay. You help prevent the culture from breaking down in different areas. You're to be building up the culture around you. Listen, again, a great background of this text would be the book of Daniel, right? The fact that they go off into Babylon, they have to live there. How do we live in Babylon, right? A place where they don't worship or acknowledge our God. And there's all these all these gods and this truth seems equal to this truth and right we don't have the maybe the same things that you once held valuable in your life and culture and which maybe the ten commandments were honored and respect and all these things that maybe you grew up and you're just thinking man how do we even live in a culture like this now so the book of daniel is a great instructive on that so i encourage you check it out but again listen the, the, the temptation maybe to be as you see our culture and you just think you throw your hands up just say i'm finished and there's no hope for this culture, Lord. I'm just going to ride my rest of my time out here. I, I'm excited. I can't wait to go to heaven, right? But the reality is I don't want to be engaged. I'm finished with this. John Stott, a great preacher, says these words. He said, should Christians not rather maybe point the finger at ourselves rather than pointing it at our culture? One could hardly blame unsalted meat for going bad. It cannot do anything else. The real question to ask is this. Where is the salt? Where are you, believer? In the midst of a culture that's worshiping and seeking after all these other things. Where are you? Where am I? Where is the church? Right, and you may be thinking, man, listen, when it comes to salt, salt appears pretty insignificant, right? I mean, we poured it in our hand right here and I threw it on the stage. The reality is you wouldn't even be able to really see it. It appears small and insignificant, but listen, its impact on taste and preservation cannot be overstated. Consider maybe just the following ways that you, simple ways that you as a believer living as the salt of the earth could impact those around you. Just imagine for a moment and look, maybe you would look through today. Again, we've just preached through the Beatitudes, how it is to live as a believer, as a follower of Christ here in Matthew 5, 3 through 11 into 12. But listen, I just want to maybe ask you a couple questions or a couple things to consider about how you just being salt of the earth right where you are might impact those around you. How might your friends or others control their language when you're around? Do people talk different when you're around? Consider this. Is the name of Jesus less being used as a curse or using God's name and calling down damnation, condemnation? Is, is that less? Is God's name less blasphemed because you are present? Think about this. Do co-workers 
Work harder because you are there. Is, is the place where you're employed, when the boss is not present, do you set an example of working hard because you are ultimately working for the Lord and not for that man or that woman? What about for you, as salt of the earth, is there a respect and a love for people of different political parties? Even though you may not, dis- may not agree with them, right? How do you, listen, as believers, how do you love and care for people of other religions? Even though you realize that those religions are contrary to the one true God. But how do we still, as believers, listen, are you living as salt? Are you living different? Do you impact? Just think about that. Think about your friends. Think about your family. Think about those people that you work with. Are those just those few questions there? Their language, the way they treat Jesus' name, the way that they work, right? The respect that they show for others they disagree with. Is it impacted because you are there? Or if we took you out of that family or took you off that job site, would there be any difference at all? Maybe as you wonder, right? I mean, am I actually the saw of the earth? Maybe it's helpful to think about this visual. You've probably heard it or seen it before about the thermostat or the thermometer, right? Think about the thermostat over here, right? The thermostat, if we went over here to the wall right here and took the thermostat and we adjusted it, guess what? If we wanted to get hotter, we'd turn it up. If we want the room to get cooler, right? We'd push it down. It impacts the temperature of the room, doesn't it? The thermostat impacts. It influences the room. But for others of you, listen, it may be that you're more like a thermometer. And so, man, whatever the temperature of the room is, if that's what everybody else is watching, that's what you watch. If that's everybody else is trashing and talking about and gossiping about somebody, you're going to go right on gossiping and talking right along with somebody. If everybody else is telling dirty jokes, man, that's what you're going to be, telling dirty jokes. Right? If everybody else is watching that video, you're going to be watching that video. Whatever it is, right, you just become a thermometer, man. You just you impact, right? So if people around you are doing their good thing, then, man, you're going to follow along and do the right thing. Right? It might be a good reminder, as Paul says, that bad company corrupts good character. You need to watch who you hang with. But I'm asking, as a culture, are you more of a thermostat? You're influencing those around you, or are you more of a thermometer? You're just giving the reading of whatever's happening. You're going along, going with the flow, so to speak. Listen, I mean, you may be asking today, is my family more influenced to follow and live for Christ when I'm present? Is your family more influenced to follow, to live, to spend time in prayer when you are present? Kiddos, I want to ask you, when you go to your school or when you hang with other friends, do they ever stop watching that video because you walk up and they realize that you will not approve of it? Are you salt? You see how salt changes things? It preserves things? It brings an impact. Listen, I encourage you, maybe today, that you might just have this kind of conversation with family or a close friend after this. Hey, do you think I'm more of a thermostat or more of a thermometer? How do you think I impact the world around me? How do I impact our family, our relationship, our other friends, our other co-workers? I challenge you, listen, be in the world but not of the world. Listen, we're not only salt of the earth. Jesus also calls us to be the light of the world. He says, listen, guys, look what he says here. Beginning in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You have to understand, again, Jesus calls us a city on a hill. See that statement there? A city situated on a hill. It cannot be hidden. 
often in ancient times that limestone was used. And so you can imagine this white stone that when sun comes on it, it just gleams. It, it, it can't be hidden, right? I mean, if you were journeying from a distance, again, you think about their, their setting, their geography, right? You're talking about arid, dry places. But as you would travel at a distance, right, on camels or donkeys, right, other modes of transportation, as you're coming in, these distant cities, they're shining in the sun, right, because of these white stones that are lit up as they reflect the sun. Jesus says that's what you're called to be. You're called to be a city on a hill. You are called to be the light of the world. Listen what he says. You are the light of the world. Listen, Paul speaks similarly in in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Listen to what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say that you were once living in darkness. Listen to what he says. This is a pretty emphatic statement. He says you were, in fact, once what? Darkness. He says you're not just simply living in darkness. In light of who God is and His holiness, you are darkness. Today, if you are separated from the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to hear Paul's words to say, not simply are you only living in the darkness, you are darkness. That's what he says here. You were once darkness. But listen to this beautiful moment. But now, something's happened. He says, now, something's transformed. You are light. And listen to how it takes place. It is in the Lord. This is how this transformation happens. Paul says, listen, the condition of your heart was once utter darkness. So listen, believer, as you are called today to be the light of the world, I want you to know the flame does not originate with you. It is a holy flame of God that comes to indwell your life. Listen, remember who Jesus is talking to in Matthew chapter 5. Right? I mean, we have crowds around. It's kind of this con- a little challenging of a scene. He's called his disciples close. But as Matthew 7 comes to a close, it says the crowds were amazed. And, and so we've seen that there's all these outcast people. But even just consider for a moment the guys that are present. The disciples that are there when Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You've got guys like Peter. Peter, who's a fisherman, right? James, John, fisherman, right? I mean, you've got tax collectors. Listen, you don't have guys that have gone to the latest rabbinic school. They've not gone and don't have the best degrees of theology and religious education. These guys, listen, have and literally, they've just begun following Jesus. They haven't, like, got qualified enough now, like they've learned enough, they've been to school long enough, and yet Jesus says to these guys at the beginning, now you're the lie of the world. Now you're the salt of the earth. Listen, I mean, just consider for a moment again who these guys are. They're also, not only do they not have the education, they're not perfect, right? I mean, we're going to see Peter, he's going to go on to deny the Lord. And not only that, after even Peter is filled with the Spirit there in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, we're going to see in Galatians 2 that Peter still gets things right, wrong, and still messes up things in the church, right? I mean, think about who else is there. Thomas is there, and Thomas has these doubts and these, these questions about, I don't know if he's really risen from the dead, he struggles. What about James and John? They're called sons of thunder. It appears that they get really upset sometimes and just blow off and lose their cool like lord do you want us to call down fire from heaven and just get rid of these people it's those guys who he says you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world why am i sharing that why does it matter because i want you to be reminded it's not the amount of education and learning that you have that can make you the light it's the change brought by the Holy Spirit of God in your heart when you repent and believe the gospel. 
I also want to remind some of you that you're making excuses of why this cannot be you today. You couldn't be salt. You couldn't be light. And I want to remind you, these guys didn't have it perfect together either. And yet it is grace, 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 marvelous grace of our loving God. It's God who sees your heart. Listen, God knows you're not perfect. That's why Christ came, beloved. So quit worrying for the day of like, once I get this amount of learning, then I'll be a good enough Christian. I can be salt and light in my school or my job site or when I, wherever I am in the culture. Or once this thing changes about my life, then I'll be good enough. Then I'll be qualified enough. Then I'll actually be salt and light. No, these guys don't have it all together now. And yet, by the grace and mercy of God, he's saying, beloved, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This is good news. And I want you to know that it will transform you. John MacArthur, great pastor, shares a story about our 28th president, Woodrow Wilson. It says that Woodrow walked into a barber shop, and he was there, and there was all this conversation. Again, you're, you're looking at late 1800s, early 1900s, and all this conversation is flowing around the barber shop that day until the door kind of dings and a man walks in. And he says this man walks into the barber shop, and men that had been talking louder began to talk quieter conversations that had been just haphazard and things that were inappropriate obviously being discussed began to be hushed. The man that walked into the barbershop was the great preacher and evangelist D.L. Moody. Wilson, Woodrow Wilson says that as he left the barbershop that day, he felt like he had left a place of worship just by the presence of a man of God. I want to ask you, fellas, When's the last time you went into the barbershop and everything was changed by your presence? Conversations changed, jokes changed, words changed. Ladies, when's the last time that you went into the beauty salon and the tenor of things in there were changed just by the fact that you walked in the door? This salt and this light is legit. It is living a transformed light. I want to know, listen, beloved, are you hiding your light under a bushel? Have you let Satan snuff or blow it out? You're saying as a little kid you weren't going to, but some of you have. Beloved, you may be asking, Blake, what's the big deal, man? What's the big deal? Ease up, bro. Ease, ease. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Here's why. So that. Listen to what happens here. It gives us two specific reasons why you should be compelled today to let your light shine before others. So that, he says, first, they may see your good works. Right? Listen, it's beautiful. He says they may see. Right? Nobody turns on a lamp to hear it talk, do they? We turn on a lamp to give us light, don't we? Beloved, listen, I'm not asking, can you talk a good game? Can you tell me all the right answers? Can you sing this little light of mine? I'm asking you, is your little light shining? Secondly, look what else he says. Not only that they may see your good works. Listen to where our good works. So it gives some type of indication. These good works are some manifestation of the fact that we have become light. You see that light shining is an indication now that what's happened inwardly is working its way outwardly. You with me? What took place by receiving the Spirit of God in your life, what takes place by obedience to the Word of God is now fruit of good works. And listen to where this leads. It leads to others doing what? 
giving glory to who? Your Father in heaven. God is using your good works to cause others to begin to give glory to God in heaven. What a beautiful moment it is. Listen, this is why, beloved, you were created to bring God glory. This is why everyone that you have ever met or seen, this is why they were created. They were made in the image of God to give glory to God. And God, listen, Christ says, beloved, by your light shining, I am going to use your good works to cause that brother, that sister, your friend, your cousin, your daddy, your granny, I'm going to use it to cause them to see and give glory to God. Is that not encouraging? Does that not compel us when we are tempted to give in? Does that not compel you today? Maybe you've struggled. Listen, beloved, I'm calling you by the Word of God today to come and be salt and light. Yet listen, salt and light is, is not automatic. Being the world and not of the world is not easy. Therefore, I just want to maybe remind you of this truth, the truth about not being salt in life, the truth about our saltlessness or our darkness. Listen to Jesus' warning here back in Matthew 5, verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. It's interesting. They say that even in modern Israel, as the roof is often a place of gathering and a place, even a playground for children, that you know what they often throw there to make it harden? Salt. Literally, people are trampling and walking on salt because it's being used to harden the ground. And that's what this type of imagery we have of saying, listen, is it possible? Listen, Jesus is not talking about the loss of salvation here, right? He's just trying to ask a, a question. The reality is it, it, it can't be answered in that sense, right? I mean, salt can't lose its taste. He's saying, listen, what, what's happening? What is happening with you, church? You are to be my salt in the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? So listen, guys, the world in which you and I live is a place that lacks salt. It lacks the word of God, people living holy lives. Listen, Jesus there and later on in 14 through 16, he's talking about the fact that we live in a world of darkness. So maybe I would just ask you maybe just a couple quick questions about your effectiveness as salt and light. In light of maybe again, we just think about Jesus, the Beatitudes of blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. In light of those, and thinking about living salt and light, because it appears, again, from what Jesus is doing here, He's saying, listen, we take these truths, and this is how we live them out. So I want to ask maybe just a couple questions. Do you often find yourself putting others first? Are you humble? Do you see a growing desire and a hunger for God in your life? Are you eager to show mercy to those who have wronged you? Maybe even this morning. Have the things that you've looked at, the thoughts that you've had, have they been pure and God honoring? Have you sought to bring peace in all of your relationships? When recently have you been insulted, left out, or had someone talk trash about you because you held fast to this word? 
Listen, that's only six questions that are rooted here in the Beatitudes. Can you imagine what might happen if you began to compare our lives to all of Scripture? We would find this truth, Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and what? Fallen short of the glory of God. We would see that none of us measures up to being salt and light perfect enough. And that's, listen, although that's heartbreaking, we listen, beloved, that is why we also have this gospel, which means good news, because you and I will never be salt enough. You will never be light enough. We will all stumble and fall. We will all listen, beloved. That's what brings us to the cross. To see the one who was perfect salt, the one who was perfect light, the one who lived perfectly as my substitute. Now listen to what he says, though. It's interesting. Jesus is, in fact, the lie of the world, right? We're going we're to see this here. We're going to look at a passage, John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus calls himself the lie of the world. And we might say, hold up. How is Jesus the lie of the world if he just called these guys the lie of the world? And, and in essence, calling all believers that are in Christ the lie of the world. So who's lie of the world? Is it Jesus or them? Well, let's look just for a moment. Look back at verse 16 with me, if you would, of Matthew 5. It's an interesting statement. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Notice what Jesus does not say. Jesus does not say that we make our light shine. He says that we are to let our light shine. As we think about our earth, right, we have two primary light sources, right? We have the sun and what? The moon, right? But even in that, we know that the moon in itself is not giving us light. The moon is merely what? It's reflecting the sun's light to us. So it is with us as believers, right? Jesus Christ is the only true light. We as a church, we, you as an individual believer are like the moon. As you receive the love and the glory and the goodness of God, as His light begins to pour in, as He drives out the darkness from your life, as you no longer have a longing for the things of the world, you begin to receive more and more of that good light. The light of Christ begins to shine more and more through you. And in essence, then we become, as Jesus says here, in the same way, let your light shine. We're not making the light shine, right? We're letting it shine. There's a work of God that's happening inside of us. Listen, maybe we ought to ask the question about this church and maybe you need to ask it individually. Are we living like to this community a full moon? Maybe we're a half moon. Maybe we're like a smidge of a fingernail. And what about you, believer, your individual life? What type of moon would you be if you were a moon in regards to your salt and lightness in this world and this culture? You need to consider that. You need to contemplate that. But listen, again, Matthew is, is doing something here, talking about Jesus and the light. Look what he says back in Matthew 4, verse 16. The people who live in darkness have seen a great light. And for those living in the land, the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And we talked about that in, in a previous sermon, but it's just a reminder. Jesus says, listen, Matthew 4.16 is a quotation of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, which is the one we celebrate at Christmas, right? Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and the rule of his government and reign shall know no end. Matthew is saying, guys, the fulfillment of that passage is Jesus. He's the true light of the world. 
He's the fulfillment of all that's happened. And listen, the good news is He's coming for people that have been living in the darkness and death for a long time. And that's where some of you are. But today, hallelujah, today is the day of salvation. For some of you, today, He's showing up at your Zacchaeus tree and saying, come down, I'm going to your house today. You need to respond to this gospel, this good news of the light of Christ. Look again, John 8 and 12. Jesus spoke to them again and said these words, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is the light of the world. But listen to what happens to us in response to him. Look what it says. Anyone who follows me. So following Jesus, look what happens. They will never what? Walk in darkness. But he says, here's what they'll have. They will have something right again. They, they haven't created on their own. They have what? The light of life. See that? So this light of life, right, received by the Lord from responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This empowers you now to follow Christ in such a way that you do not walk in the darkness. So today, listen, believer, if you have seen that you don't live the same way that your neighbor lives or your coworker lives or your buddy at school lives or so and so down the street or those people you see on the news live, you need to get on your face and praise God because the light has shined in your heart and the work of God's mercy and grace has happened in your life that you don't walk in darkness. This is a work of grace. He's the light of the world. We're not the light of the world. We're only the light of the world. And the fact that He is in us and He is shining in and through us is the hope of the gospel. Some of you maybe hear this and you think that deep down on your own you can still make it work. You're pretty good as you are. And the reality is, listen, you're just trying to hide the darkness in there. At a humbling moment this week, I stepped in front of the mirror and I saw something that scared me. There's all these little gray things coming out of my beard. I'll be really straight with you. Here's my immediate thought. I'm going to go shave that off before anybody else sees it and knows I'm getting old. That's my legit. That's exactly what I thought. Why? Because we all want to hide, don't we? Now listen, this isn't some commentary on, oh, I'm dying my hair, you said I shouldn't, right? I just not, I'm not there or makeup or any of those things that, right? It, it, there may be some things in your heart you need to deal with, right? Just like me, I looked in that mirror and thought, man, God, why do I so bad want to hide that? But some of you, listen, I want to take it a step further. Some of you are doing that spiritually. You see things in your life that aren't right. Instead of coming clean before the Lord, you're trying to find ways to hide them from God, hide them from your spouse, hide them from your friends, hide them from other members of the church. Beloved, listen, we are all here have some gray hairs. Are you with me? We just need to come clean. That's why our Savior came and died for us. We are not the light of the world in and of ourselves. It is Him in us. God knows you got some gray hairs. That's why Christ came to save and redeem that about you. So stop trying to shave it and hide it and cover it and conceal it and whatever. It's a reminder that death's coming to us all. So maybe just maybe just a couple things in closing today of, okay, Blake, so if I repent and believe, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and it begins to transform my heart, how, how might my life look? What are some practical ways I could begin just to live this out? To truly be, right, salt and light, to be in the world, but not of the world. Remember, salt goes in to preserve, to keep things from, from dying and decaying. 
And, and listen, isn't that exactly what Jesus is doing, like continually throughout the Gospels? He goes and he touches lepers. Right? Isn't there moments of Jesus like where he, he's allowing the sinful woman to, to, to anoint his feet? Don't we have these like beautiful moments of like Jesus calling tax collectors? Don't we have these unbelievable moments? Again, you would think, listen, right? I mean, if anybody should withdraw from the culture, it's Christ. He's sinless. And yet what we see Jesus doing is he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. He's a friend of prostitutes and sinners. He doesn't run from the culture. He runs to the culture to embrace it. Now, listen, he doesn't go along with what the culture does. But man, he loves people in the midst of their darkness. Who are you loving in the midst of darkness right now? Who is it? Man, I know you know some folks that are struggling. Maybe you've given up on them. Maybe it's a family member, a friend. I don't know who it is for you. I just want to compel you. Why? Because that's what we see Jesus doing. And ultimately, listen, I mean, if salt is this preservative, again, isn't it ultimately a display that keeps from death and decay coming to us all? It's what Christ does for our soul. He gives his life for us in the midst of our death and decay. When Paul says we are darkness, he dies for us in the midst of our sin. Not when we've cleaned up our life enough. It's this beautiful moment. Listen, so therefore, let our response be worship. To be in the world, but not of the world. So maybe you need to ask, maybe we should ask as a church, are we being salt? I mean, because salt, again, if you think about it, it's a preservative. Then a salt would, would, you would think to seem to think that salt would go to the hardest neighborhoods and places in Greene County and reach the people there. That we would willingly, we would long to help provide food and shelter and clothing. The very things that Jesus is talking about, right? That the Lord provides for us. And we say, thank you, Lord. How do you think often God's going to provide that for others? He's going to send you. He's going to send us. He's going to send the church. Right? I mean, I listen, I want to encourage you. Maybe we just think about how might we educate kids in this community? How could we better help with that? Right? I mean, there's kids in this community that are struggling to read. How could we, how could you, this church, be salt to go into a hard place like that? That's not easy. That's not going to happen overnight. But that's what salt does, beloved. Salt goes to the hard places. I don't know if you know it or not, but each week, listen, we take up what we call the dollar ministry. We take $1 for every person here that's present. And we use that during that week specifically, usually, to help provide for utilities, provide food, Right? Sometimes people may need clothing. Right? I mean, maybe they need help with shelter. So listen, I want to challenge you each week. Just begin contemplating, right? How might you give your dollar to help impact, to be salt in this community? Just a simple way. So one dollar for every single person that's present this morning will intentionally be used to be salt in this community. Think about this. Not only do we do it, again, trying to be salt and light. I want you to know that happens weekly. Wednesday and Sunday nights, we have ongoing ministry. We bring kids in here. We feed. We love on. And ultimately, listen, we want to share the gospel. I want you to know that, listen, the youth, the children's ministry is growing. Bontio had, what, like 20 last week, I think? Right? The children, I think they had, what, like 50 this last week? Listen, we need more classes. We can't, like, teach all the kids at once. We need more teachers. 
See, some of you, you thought today when you heard it, you're like, man, I want to be more light. But you hear stuff like that and you think, God, I want to be a light of the world, but I want you to t- I want to tell you where you can and put my lamp. God, I want to be the light of the world, but I want to tell I want to tell you when you are allowed to flip on my switch and turn it off. See, being light of the world, listen, it means that you are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You are not your own. Beloved, this is a response to the gospel. Listen, guys, we just must respond. Listen, maybe a simple first step for you is Kentucky Changers is coming right here to Greensburg, KY, July 4th and 11th this summer. I'm challenging you. This is your first step for missions. Because some of you, listen, I get it. It's hard. You're not ready to leave home yet. You've got all kinds of responsibilities. You just don't know what it would look like to be gone for a week. This is a way in which you can serve right here in your own backyard. If something desperately needs your attention, then you can attend to it. It's a first step. Like, listen, this, this opportunity for you to repair homes for low-income families, maybe it's, it's help. Maybe you could help um, with, with painting a house or building a ramp or being a, help repair a porch or basic yard maintenance. Maybe you've got nursing skills that you could use. Maybe you could be involved in the kitchen. You could help run supplies. Maybe you could help make snacks and deliver lunches to the groups. I don't know what you can do, but I guarantee you, you could be a part of serving and being salt and light in this community this summer, July 4th to the 11th. I'm challenging you. Let this be your first step toward missions right here. Right? I've heard some of you. I'm going to be straight with you. I hear you. Why are we going there when they need it here? Then I'm going to ask, where are you at? You with me? I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a both and. But I do hear the noise sometimes of why are we going there when we need it here. And I'm just going to say, all right, here it is. Where are you at? So I'm looking for your name. Right? Come on. Let's be straight. I'm, I'm with you. Let's do it here, but let's do it there. So I, I, are you with us? I want to challenge you. Some of you, again, that's for seventh grade and above. I want you to know that, listen, there's a good news. For the first time this year, they're starting kids changers, fourth to sixth grade. I think it's like June 24th to 26th. Is that right, Miss Catherine? Right around that time. I think it's pretty close. Right? Fourth to sixth grade here in Camelsville. Some of you, right, could take grandkids. Some of you could take a, a child maybe in our church and, and help walk beside them for a couple of days, introducing them to missions. But listen, guys, we can't just look locally. We also got to look globally, don't we? Maybe you need to ask right now, Lord, where in this world are they in desperate need of salt and light? And I'll tell you one place I know of personally, Zimbabwe. Pastor Maponga, who I stayed in his house, he and Miss Florence sent me a message this past week that he's had to sell his vehicle. The only, they, they were so excited to finally get a vehicle. He's had to sell it so he can start another business because he just needs to feed his family. The community is so struggling that the church is having difficulty being able to pay. He's had to sell his vehicle. His wife has already started her own chicken business, trying to find ways just to feed their family. And here's what I want to say. Some of you are farmers. Some of you are chicken people. And you know all about that. I, I, I just want to ask, is, is, is like that business and the knowledge that God's given you and the lands that maybe you inherited from your grandpappy and on and on, I just need to ask a real honest question. Is that just for me and you? Or is that not those gifts given that you could go and help one family learn how to better feed themselves? How to better raise chickens? How to better aggregate and do these simple farming techniques that you've learned from your family that they haven't had that benefit? That you might tell them, listen, there's one who plants and one who waters, but only God gives the growth. Are you with me? You want to be salt and light like that? 
Some of you listen. Brother Todd, the pastor that he stayed with there, the pastor there, he's struggling with, with diabetes. And he spent time in the hospital. Listen, some of you, God has given you medical gifts. You, you, are, you are knowledgeable. You have learned. You have gone to school. I, I just, just want to ask a question. Do you want your light to shine in that kind of darkness that people don't have help and medication needs? Right, Pastor Palmer was saying, listen, my family gets sick. That you, all the doctors are on strike there. You can't even go and take your family even if you could afford it. I, I just need to ask for you all that have gotten medical. Listen, and God's blessed you. Do you want to be salt and light there? They need it. So you can tell them there's a great physician, beloved. We can't heal every disease or sickness here, but there is one who carried our sicknesses and diseases to the cross. Church, you want to be salt and light. You said, come on, many of you sang it as a kiddo. Let this little light of mine shine. Not going to hide it under a bushel. Some of you, the bushel's Greensburg KY. you hiding it right here. It's time to pull that off and say, Lord, I surrender all. Here am I, Lord, send me. Take this little light wherever you want it to go. Listen, I know it's not easy. Em and I struggle with it. We talk about it, just of what it would look like for missions for us to leave. And I don't have the faith right now. If God calls me to leave and go internationally, I, I'm just not there. I'm just saying, God, listen, whatever you want from me and my family, if you want me and him to pack up the four and go, God, you got to give us more faith. I'm struggling. So listen, I realize this salt and light, it is not easy. But guys, we cannot hide it under a bushel. Listen, salt and light again, it, man, it goes into hard places and it shines in the darkest of times. And it says to those people, there is a God who sees you and a God who cares and he sent me. You represent the invisible God, beloved. You with me? That's why that light matters. That's why that salt, why? So they begin to give glory to God. Not to Greensburg Baptist, not to me, not to you. It is glory to God. So listen, as we think about all of our ministries here, changers, international mission trips, I pray that we're not just going to build wells, to give medicine, to provide shelter, to paint, to help with bills, to provide food or whatever. Guys, listen, we can do all that and they'll still die and go to hell. Everything that we do here must be ultimately taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every ministry that functions here, every Sunday school class, every small group, every sermon, every outreach in our back parking lot or to the city here, every mission trip that goes from here to wherever, Kentucky, the, the Estados Unidos, or throughout the world, must be to take the gospel. It must be. If that's not the focus of your heart or your team, you need to repent. That must be our focus. So I'll leave you with this final question. When is the last time someone gave glory to God because of your good works? When is the last time someone gave glory to God because of your good works? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for Christ. Father, I pray today by your grace that indeed we would be salt and light Father, we know that being salt and light is not easy. But God, praise your name that you didn't call perfect people. There was no educational requirement. Father God, being salt and light was a response to Jesus Christ. So Father, I pray first and foremost for a response to Christ of repentance and faith in this place. 
I pray now for believers who are present here, God, who have tried to tell you where they're going to let their light shine and where they won't let it shine. Father, I pray that just as they sang as children, that they will quit hiding it under that bushel basket. Father, they will remove it. And Father God, they will say, Lord, here am I, send me. Father God, let us respond appropriately to you who came to us in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our death and decay. You brought the ultimate Sabbath. You brought the ultimate salt. You were the ultimate light. You rescued us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a friend of sinners. Blessed be your glorious name. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.